Hello, everybody, indeed. Welcome to the Animation Podcast, episode 340. I'm Jero, joined by Steve. What is it? And Amro. Yo, yo. On this episode, uh, talking games and anime, got some news about Xbox, and then we have some game impressions. Amro talking about Baldur's Gate 3, Steve talking about Starfield, and me talking about Cyberpunk 2077. And then we will also wrap up the summer 2023 anime season by talking about a selection of shows. So get started with a little bit of news. This uh, Xbox leak that had came out uh, probably a week and a half or two weeks yeah. ago from this recording. Yeah, about a week and a half to two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, we're recording on October 1st. And it was a, a whole bunch of things about Microsoft and thoughts and plans in the future of the current generation of the Xbox series. And, um, and for, for contents, context, contents, context, the, the leak happened because of the F uh, TC <clears throat> stuff they had, or the legal stuff they had to file for the acquisition of uh blizzard, uh, oh, right. Activision blizzard. So all they had, they basically gave them a ton of information and that information <laughs> got out. Yeah. All right. So, the Xbox Series X, it could go all digital in 2024, and people have probably seen the images online of how the updated Series X and S look, and the X is mm-hmm. kind of like a cylinder, and it's going to be diskless, and would come with a 2 terabyte hard drive, so uh, that has a lot of people interested in almost kind of like that all-digital future stuff that Microsoft seemed to have planned out much further ago, like talking about like Xbox one stuff from way mm-hmm. back. Yeah. Um, and this was interesting about the, the series is that uh, of all the Xbox gamers, three quarters of them have a series S. So the series S sounds like it's the, the dominant uh, platform. Which- which to be in all and and for some context too, it's it's a digital only console, so it does kind of make sense why Microsoft is looking at that, saying, "Hey, look, most of our consoles are digital anyway. Mm-hmm. Why and and we're pushing for things like you know Game Pass and stuff like that. Why not just push everything to digital?" Right. Yeah. Um. And right now, I have the Series X with the disc. But I the the last time I put in a disc is I just randomly bought a near replicant on the Xbox. Anything else, I've been totally happy with Game Pass or the rare occasions where I'll buy like Jedi Survivor on mm-hmm. the console. So with a two so I'm already right now kind of doing that thing where I'm occasionally deleting things to make space for other games. But uh, yeah. with two terabytes in Game Pass and all the other stuff I could just buy digitally, I'm, I'm totally fine with a diskless console now, more so than in the past. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, for me, I'm somewhat okay with it and somewhat hesitant on it. I think the big line for me, <laughs> the big problem for me is, is it's kind of the Nintendo problem, right? I don't want to buy anything digital from Nintendo. Nintendo is very famously and very often 
shut down its online servers, right? Hmm. They no longer want you to have access to it. In the moment you no longer have access to their online servers, the moment you know is the moment you no longer have games. Now, I guess it's something to consider in like how many games are you going back to to play? You know, how often are you once a new generation comes out going to go back to the older generation? <laughs> I mean, th- these are valid points, I think. Um I just feel so much more hesitant on wanting to buy these digital because um I, I get the Game Pass model. Don't get me that. That's a completely different conversation for me. But the digital only kind of idea is a hard sell for me because I I just don't know. Like I want those games in case I ever you know decide to not you know play or have Game Pass. And and there are mm-hmm. definitely games where on Game Pass I would love to have. But even if I buy digitally and then ten years from now I want to go back and replay a game suddenly I can't download it anymore. I, obviously, I think places like Microsoft and Sony have a better track record of keeping their online stuff available. Um, but I don't know. Like, I'm definitely much more comfortable buying digital stuff, and I buy digital stuff on my computer for my Steam stuff library <laughs> all the time. And, you know, I bought Starfield digitally for a computer. Yeah. You know, I last game I bought I can think of is uh, Resident Evil 4 and I plan on getting the DLC and, um, once I'm done with Starfield yeah. in several months um, so it's like I have no problem buying some things digitally it's just I, I still I still want if I'm going to buy it on console I want to have that disc experience I think I just want to yeah. have the disc and I think the other problem you're going to have <laughs> as well and this is obviously not I'm not the first person to say this is it's going to be a much tougher sell for places like GameStop and, you know, Walmarts and Targets and Best Buys who thrive on those physical media sales to just be like, okay, now you're taking that away from us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that could get into a much larger conversation about game preservation. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, also from this leak that they originally thought that Baldur's Gate 3 was not really going to be that good. They kind of underestimated how good Baldur's Gate would be and how well it's been received since it's released. Yeah, I don't blame them. First off, the uh, one of the Baldur's Gate's head game leads even said, yeah, it surprised us too. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's not necessarily Microsoft's fault, but I, I think... I, I really don't, again, I don't blame them. Because I think on paper, a game like Baldur's Gate does not seem like it'd be popular. It's a turn-based, uh, or, it, you know, it's an RPG, right? It's a Dungeons & Dragons RPG kind of style game. You know, it's just, typically those games don't get huge. You know, people like those fast action games, those, you know, big brand IPs like Spider-Man or... Call of Duty, you know, things like that really push numbers. And so I'm not surprised that a game called Baldur's Gate 3, <laughs> you know, most people probably never even heard of Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, um, would uh, even get popular. I mean, I never played Baldur's Gate or was into D&D, but I, I had heard of Baldur's Gate. I mean, yeah. you know, like, it, it's not an unknown franchise. My, my thing is that I, people, like, 
in this day and age where streamers uh, kind of like reign supreme in terms of like marketing video games, this is a game that like I think once you see it and how kind of like expansive and how much you know like all the kind of different things you can do in it, you're like, oh yeah, I want to play that, <laughs> and and it just it just shows well in terms of um, you know social media and like how many little shorts I keep seeing of things that you can do or um, different story elements. Like, and, and it's one of those games where I think you can, you know, if you think you can do it, you can. And, and that kind of freedom appeals to people. <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, like to me, it's, 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 it's also kind of weird that they thought it wasn't going to do well when the game has been, um, you know, like the same didn't just come out of nowhere. Like it's been in 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 uh, early, early access, access yeah. for for years. And but even the, the early access it, game didn't really pop off. No, like there were some yeah. people that talked about it, but not very many people. I'm just saying, like for for people like Microsoft, it's their job to kind of know these things and and kind of be aware of like trends and and stuff. So, you know, like I, I, there should be <laughs> there should be a. Uh, game expert <laughs> at, at Microsoft being like, yeah, I want that on my console. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, I, I do, I do think that it's some games definitely going to come out of surprise. Mm -hmm. I think also one other thing you didn't really mention was the co-opness of it. Cause you can be yeah, like fully, fully co-op and that and again, well, drives we're, we're, streamers we're about that to play together. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. um, but it, it is, I mean, some things just come out of surprise. I mean, it's kind of the same mm -hmm. when you look at things like uh, um, Barbenheimer, right? Like, if anyone told you at the start of the year the biggest movies coming out was Barbie and uh, Oppenheimer, that one weekend was going to blow up. If any anyone said that was going to be the case, they were talking out of their ass. They were guessing. Mm -hmm. They were just yeah. completely unaware that was going to happen. I think Baldur's Gate is kind of just another example yeah. of that where... Like, I don't think anyone would have thought it was going to fail, but, like, the numbers it pushed and the just the sheer popularity of it is just <laughs> way bigger than I think, I, I do think that anyone would have would have guessed. Yeah. And I, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it is surprising. I, I think we can't really necessarily blame Microsoft for that going, wow, that surprised us. Yeah. I, I just think, I just think that, you know, again, like, D&D &D is not a niche thing anymore. Um, so, you know, when you have, when you have access to like such a huge brand name, it, it's, it seems weird to me that you would just underestimate it. And and maybe I guess that has something to do with like the underperformance of that one D and D movie, which was, I still say, actually it was really good. <laughs> well, well, uh, D and D as well. I'll, I'll put some more context on here. Um, Wizards of the Coast, uh, Magic the Gathering released two D and D sets uh, and the first one was really popular, and the second one tanked. So I think just because it has D and D doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good or it's going to sell like hotcakes. As you said, like the Dungeons and Dragons movie was pretty good. I thought it was a fun, entertaining film, but that I and you apparently saw it. No one else, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is sad. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, a quick uh, thing on Baldur's Gate on Xbox is I believe the initial holdup of releasing it on Xbox was due to local split-screen co-op. 
but uh, I, I believe it was local split screen co-op on the S specifically. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's been some details that have been ironed out regarding that where they have a clear plan that they will release the game on Xbox uh, sometime sooner rather than later. Um, and then uh, looking much further ahead at potentially the next generation of consoles, uh, Xbox does or Microsoft does see Xbox as like a like a cloud hybrid type deal um, mm -hmm. where, you know, we're looking at like 2028 is potentially where we would get a, a console that's much more powered by the cloud. Mm -hmm. I I kind of understand this approach um because of the series s and x um the biggest issue if you told me you know five years ago oh yeah we're gonna do cloud you know and i know cloud gaming <clears throat> was kind of growing up back then the biggest issue with cloud gaming has been and will be to the to this day is still um and going forward is is internet connections right I mean, you have to have good internet to utilize cloud gaming. And we are blessed with great internet <laughs> um, in the, the kind of the North Carolina Raleigh area that we live in. You know, we have Google, we have AT&T Fiber, we have, you know, really high speed spectrums. Um, so we have really great access to these internet speeds. Um, a lot of the U.S. still does not. But... With the Xbox S, Series S, and Series X kind of showcasing, like, you could totally release a console that's like, well, okay, your cloud sucks, your internet sucks. Well, it runs at this speed. You have great internet, you enable cloud, and now suddenly you have X-level performance, right? So I could see that being a thing just because the X and the S are kind of like that testing ground for that kind of... um that formula move and then moving forward we could start to see that which is if it's true could be a huge boon for xbox and microsoft i should say because you know sony will have to release a console that's got all the top of the line hardware right mm. and they're gonna have to be like all right yeah this console is another 600 bucks it can run at amazing frames and microsoft goes like here's our new console it runs on the cloud it costs us 300 dollars to make you know it's like it could be a very big thing for Microsoft to kind of push this and to push for a much cheaper console. So that could be very interesting um, kind of going forward. So, uh, yeah. Um, curious to see how that works. Yeah. I think the thing for me now is like, I, I've tried like playing games on the cloud on Xbox, just like, oh, here's the option to not have to wait to download. I could just play right mm -hmm. away. But it's still, you know, it's not in the highest resolution that it can be. It's still laggy in spots, and it just still feels a little weird to me. Um, well, so I well, assume hybrid, and this is my assumption, means that you're pushing some to the some of the processes online, right? So, like, you could have a lot of background or AI that's running in the cloud that controls the you know NPCs, mm -hmm. while all the other stuff is being you know rendered and generated on your game machine at home, right? So. It it would be a little bit different than the cloud gaming you're thinking of as of right now, where the majority of it is just pretty much running on a, uh, you know, a, like a server somewhere, and you're just streaming it. Mm -hmm. um, and that 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 would be my assumption. Maybe I'm mis mistaking in what they 
classify as hybrid. Um, because normally when you think of something that's just cloud gaming only, you'll say cloud gaming, right? Because that's mm-hmm. we've had consoles and mach- things that specifically say cloud gaming, not necessarily hybrid. So yeah, hopefully so because games are you know only getting bigger and mm-hmm. two terabytes like it sounds big and it's a lot, but at some point even that's going to be like oh I I need just a little bit more or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's move on to some game impressions. We will get started with Amro talking about Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, speaking of Baldur's Gate 3, <laughs> it's really fun. Um, it's also very, like, it's very difficult. Uh, I wouldn't, I, you can make it difficult depending on, like, which um, difficulty setting you, you set it on. But w- when I say it's difficult, I mean it's, like, it's overwhelming in the sense that if you're not very familiar with D&D, you will be lost in the options that are available to you. <laughs> and um, a lot of that has to do with, like, kind of character creation. Um, man, they really, like, they don't hold anything back, especially with, like, mages. Um, they will be like, hey, you leveled up, now pick a spell. And then they they just give you all these spells, and you're like, I don't know what any of these do. <laughs> <laughs> so so you kind of get this like a uh, uh, choice paralysis. But you know, I I basically did. I don't know if this is considered a basic bitch thing, but I was like, I'm just gonna be a rogue. I'm I'm gonna be stealthy and and try to you know sneak up on on stuff and stab it in the back. And uh, it's been working out kind of okay for me mm. so far. Like the more the more I get used to it, um, but. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's I think the the biggest takeaway from from this is that it is very much the the Dungeons and Dragons you know rule set translated into a video game um, down to the rolling of dice and and all that stuff. So um, yeah, that's the, that's something that's been a little intimidating to me about this game mm-hmm. is because I, I I've never done any D and D stuff before, so yeah, it's almost like. You know, I'm used to games and leveling up things, but when you open, like, uh, open the game up so much that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking all of these little numbers and dice rolls and stuff. Uh, do you still feel like you're adjusting to it however many hours you are? Oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, if if I'm going based off what my um, home screen says, I've only put nine hours into it. Okay. Um, I'm very much still at the, like, very beginning of the game um so i I kind of had a unique kind of experience with this in 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 the sense that like i bought it because uh, a friend group was like hey we're gonna play Baldur's gate so you know you can play co-op online or or like couch co-op or whatever but when you play co-op you do actually start like a new character so like you don't just import your character from your main file um so I was kind of experiencing a lot of the game for the first time in co-op, which mm. I would say is not the best way to do it. Okay. <laughs> Depending on on you know what kind of friends you have, because mm. like uh, if you if you care about anything that people are saying, like you know, good luck playing with friends. Uh, and, You're saying and, your friends are assholes. Uh, I'm <clears> saying <throat> that I may have killed some people that I shouldn't have killed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think at one point uh. We were trying to engage an owl bear that had a cub or whatever, and I, you know, we ended up fighting the owl bear, an orphaned little baby cub, and then I was like, well, it's an orphan, so I may as well 
kill it too. Oh. <laughs> and, and apparently you can get it as like a companion. So that wasn't the quote unquote right decision, but uh. you can do it anyway. Right. So it's, that that's what I'm talking about. Like is that there's all kinds of weird uh, interactions that if you think you can do it, you know, you can try it out and, and see what it, you know, where you can get um, lot, like the dialogue trees are actually really interesting. Um, they're based on what your class is and, you know, you can say different things depending on, you know, what you are and your different stats uh, determine like your dice rolls on conversations. Like you can talk your way out of encounter. You don't actually have to fight bosses if you can convince them to kill themselves. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that kind of game. So, um, and, and I'm that like all of that, I'm saying just based off what, like I've seen in terms of like, uh, you know, on YouTube and stuff like that, because mm -hmm. you're not going to see, of this game um in a single playthrough like you it's just literally impossible you can have a character die um at the beginning of the game and they're just gone for the rest of the game right like mm. it's one of yeah. your quote-unquote main party members um so yeah i mean I've, I've been having fun with it uh especially now uh that i'm like <clears throat> playing it seriously um it really kind of does feel like an adventure like so the the opening of the game is very much like a like a very cinematic uh, experience. Like you've been kidnapped and you have to try to like figure out a way to save yourself or whatever. But once you crash land in the open world, you're just free to go do what you want. And uh, it feels like an adventure. So I, I honestly do recommend it. Um, even though I'm still, like I said, very much at the beginning of the game. So at, I can only see it getting more expansive as I go along. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. I don't. I mean, talk about the combat aspect because I think the combat aspect is the thing that kind of throws me off. Um. So, what do you mean? The fact that it's turn-based? Like, yeah. Like, how how does it feel being a turn-based game? Because you do play a lot of JRPGs. So, it's it's like it's true turn-based. Um, and it's actually kind of interesting when you're playing in co-op, where you you know like this is D and D, so you roll dice at the beginning of an encounter to determine mm -hmm. initiative. If you roll the same initiative as like a party member or whatever, you actually get to make your movements at the same time. Um, and then once like everyone decides to do their thing, like it, it like it all goes off. But um, it feels good. I mean, like it's 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 very tactical in a sense because you have, you know, it's it's in a three D space. Like it's a, you know, movement is determined by like you can you can move a certain amount of distance. And then, of course, you have ranged and, um, you know, magic spells and stuff like that. Um, the terrain is very important because if your, like, line of sight is obscured, you won't be able to, like, attack with, like, a long distance kind of thing or whatever. You can get advantage mm -hmm. from being, like, at, at a height. So, like, there's, there's a lot of things to take into account during a fight. So it's not just, just turn-based. Like, it's, it's very tactical as well. I, I feel like I want to get it at some point, but uh, we got Mario, we got Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Yeah. I, like, I, it, took me, it took me a long time to get into it because I've been playing Armored Core so yeah. hard. Um, that, I guess I can talk about this briefly, but um, I finished New Game Plus Plus, so oh. the, the, third, the third ending. All right. And I'm at the point where I'm trying to S rank every mission. It was going better than I expected, honestly. 
Um, so once uh, once I do that, I can delete the game and <laughs> right, <laughs> never yeah. have to play it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, because because that's what it's what with Baldur's Gate. It sounds like I I I really got to mentally invest a lot of time into playing that, yeah. and, and yeah. I can't have anything else like oh, you know, I'm playing this too on the side or whatever. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like if you start playing, it's it's very easy to get enraptured into it. Right. Um, also, if you want to play naked, you can. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> All right. So next up we have Starfield. You've been playing All right, a good yes. bit, Steve. Yeah, the most disappointing game of 2023, according to a lot of people. Um, so, okay, so Starfield, I got it. I've I've put in probably about 50 hours, so basically nothing um, in Starfield terms. Um, it, you know, it's Bethesda's big epic. They promised a whole lot, and a lot of people were very disappointed that it did not deliver. And I think there are some definitely valid criticisms when um, playing the game that I run into some weird little issues, um, just things that are like, oh, this is kind of cool, but doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, I, I do think that criticism is valid, but like, if you like Skyrim and that kind of game where you're going to invest a huge amount of hours exploring places, um, this game is great. Like, there's, there's, like. It uh, it baffles me at times when you go to Steam and you read some of the reviews, and it's like you know I rate Starfield a five out of five. Played one hundred and eighty three hours. I'm like, I can't tell you any game I would rate five out of five that I would invest more than five to ten hours in. Right? Like, if I think five, a game, do you mean five out of ten? I'm sorry, sorry, 5 out of 10. Sorry, 5 out of 10 game. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. 5.5 out of 10. Sorry, excuse me. 5.5 out of 10. Um, but I, I can't think of any game that I would rate so low that I would put 100 hours for pull-up more in, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of crazy. And I think that's one thing to note about this game is if you really want to get into the game, <laughs> if you really want to, you know, play the quests, play the, uh, you know, the, the outposts, build starships, explore, you have you know, a game where you're going to invest a hundred hours into at an easy minimum. Right. I mean, I've said, I've, I put 40 hours into the game and I'm like level 25. Um, now admittingly I, I did, I will admit that on hour 30, I discovered a fast travel quick, uh, a hack. Um, I thought I always had to go back to my spaceship and launch from the ship to go anywhere. Um, and it turns out I don't need to do that. Um, but at the same time, it's still like, there's still like so much content you can do in this game. And it, it really feels like a game where you can truly just get lost in just playing it. Now that doesn't necessarily, as I said, absolve it, absolve the crimes, absolve the certain aspects of the gameplay that could be absolutely improved upon. Um, but it really is a very full game, you know? If you like a game where you can explore, um, you know, go into towns and just get lost running missions, I will admit that some of the missions seem a little, like, they're not, like, super in-depth, but, like, they're good. They're interesting enough. Like, you know, go here. Like, I I joined this evil corporation where I had to go 
sabotage a ship. So I had to go sneak on a ship. And so, you know, it was interesting and it gives you kind of those little fun aspects. And like just walking around, you get into so many interactions and so many interesting things. Like um, I was on one ship or I was I was playing one mission. Um, someone like I was just flying around and someone goes, I need help. And I went and helped him out and I found some um, smuggled or some internal organs that were black market and I, I picked them up because they're worth a lot and I was like oh cool and I forgot I had them and then I spent a couple days uh, I didn't play the game for a couple days because I had some things to do came back and I, ha- I flew on my ship to a territory where they scan your ship if you have any black market goods and it was like oh you got black market goods you know stop your ship and we're going to arrest you and I'm like oh like whoops so I'll just I'll just pay my fine and move on and then it put me in a huge quest storyline of like, hey, now we want you to be undercover and join the pirates and do all this stuff. And so these like little interactions that you get that you can just kind of randomly fall into are very interesting. And it's it's very fun. And like, I think that's the part where I kind of get lost in, um, you know, just going around and doing all these these missions and stuff. And I think it does a very good job on that. And I, as I said, though, <laughs> uh combat wise is okay um it's weird it, it's all gunplay unlike some of the other games um it doesn't necessarily do anything innovative uh mm-hmm. innovative um you can upgrade your guns and things like that but it, it is it is fine um but i, I will say some of the <clears throat> criticisms i do have I'll, I'll hit on a couple of criticisms before i get to a couple more things i liked um it is too big <laughs> I mean, this game has a hundred solar systems and like a thousand plus planets, right? And a lot of these planets are just nothing. Hmm. And you'll get to these, and this is some of the criticisms I kind of agree with. Like, you'll get to like this, like one of the major planets planets you get on, um, Jimenson has New Atlantis, and it's like the big city. Um, But it's only one city on the entire planet. There's like a little outpost, but that's it. I do feel like it would be more interesting if these planets had like two or three cities on them. Um, but at the same time, it's like, there's just so much to explore. Like it's, it, you could literally go from like, there are some people complaining about how, Oh, it doesn't feel like the planets are big enough, but I'm like, you know how much fucking space mm-hmm. there is? Like literally every planet is like, you know, you get on and you can just explore around it forever. There's just so much. And yeah, there's a lot of nothing, and there's a lot of planets that don't have much, but there is a lot of stuff to explore, and you can set up outposts and all those things. The outpost system isn't perfect, but you know, it's 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 like one of those games where it's like the content you get for seventy bucks is enormous, right? And yeah. I think that's that's the thing I think most people don't highlight on. Again, as I said, you know, I see a lot of negative reviews, like not recommended. I, I kind of pulled up. Um, it's just—it's just boring and uninterested. I played 194 hours. Like, ex- yeah. exploration is terrible and not worth it. Like, <laughs> how how do you play 194 hours and go like, ah, this game sucks? I can't recommend it. Like, that's like the most nonsensical thing. It's like someone playing a game they know they hate just so that they can review it. Like, yeah. if Steam did not put just, the uh... amount of hours they played on it. Like, I could see how you could get away with it, but, like, the fact that you know, 
It's nuts. Yeah, just hopping on some weird bandwagon, it sounds like, because the game was super hyped up, and I guess maybe there was a, a contingency of people that just wanted it to be uh, meh at best. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, I definitely would sit there, and like, if you were to tell me... Because like, I consider Skyrim one of my favorite games of all time. Like, If you tell me, give me your top 10 games, Skyrim is going to get in there, right? Uh, the question is, is Starfield better than Skyrim, right? If we're going to compare the two, right? Because those are two very good comparisons. Um, you know, I don't think Starfield is better than Skyrim. I think the story isn't as good. I think the world, the, even though you have a lot to explore, as I said, there's so much of it. Like, I'm never getting to a thousand planets, right? There's going to be so much stuff I don't touch um, when I beat this game. But in Skyrim, I probably touched every part of the map. And I think this is one of those things where more isn't necessarily better. Um, again, it, I don't think it's a bad game. I think it's, an, it's a great game. But, like, it, there's definitely not the hype. And I definitely agree with that. Like, if people were like the hype, it, it was overhyped, sure. The game isn't as good as what was promised, sure. It's still a damn good game, right? <laughs> so, it, it's fun, though. And as I said, it, there's a lot of stuff worth having. And there's so much to do. As I said, like, I, I you know, you can, you have companions like in Skyrim. Um, you know, I got married. Like, you know. All right. My bay. Uh <laughs> Um, I, I, I like. I think everyone pretty much always picks Sarah as their bay because she's the first companion you get, and so you know she's she's the best. I will say like some of these things I don't like very much. Um, about so so from what I understand, there's four main companions you can kind of go with, and you can eventually all marry them all. Um, but the thing that I found kind of frustrating, and this is again part of the experience that I think isn't quite as great. Is like so you meet Sarah and Sarah's like this leader, this noble person. She used to be in the military. And so you really want to stay noble with her. And then I ended up meeting um oh oh what's her name? Uh um trying to think. Uh well you meet another character, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, and she wants and she's like this that when you first meet her. Um, she's like murdering a dude, just straight up, just, you know, blasting him. Um, and she's like got a thief skill. And so I was like, Ooh, I'll companion around with her for a while. And this time I'll say, be a little more rough and gruff and mean. And I was more rough and gruff and mean. And she was like, this person doesn't like you said that. I was like, what? And I felt like I had to be the exact same person, no matter who I'm dealing with, you know, which, which companion you want to be with. You have to just be nice person for them to like you. Um, so I, again, there are certain things that I think the game doesn't quite handle as well. Um, like the personalities, some of the characters, while different, they should be, you know, allowing you to play different styles, depending on which character you're with. Mm. Um, I don't feel like that's there. Uh, so, so that, that was a little disappointing. Um, a lot of the stuff is locked behind certain things. Like I wanted to really get into shipbuilding. And because I got, because I thought that was pretty cool. And so I started just massively working on ships, you know, pretty like within 20 or 30 hours into the game, right? I was building ship stuff and it was telling me so much of it was locked. 
and I had to level up specific things. And like right now, I'm like, I have to find 15 ships to destroy just to fly a class B ship, which is a really awesome big ship. Mm-hmm. So like, there's certain things that feel very grindy um, and kind of annoying to deal with. Um, but overall, it's as I said, it's still such a big and awesome game. Like you, you can really get lost in this game, and it's it's definitely worth picking up and trying. Um, especially if you like really long games with a lot of content. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it still very much feels though like Skyrim. I won't spoil anything, but let's just say you get Skyrim like abilities too, which is interesting. So, okay, yeah. So combat, you you were saying this, you know, a lot of gunplay, but it's not really. There's no real ability based stuff that you can do to enhance your kit in any way. So there's uh, again I don't want to get into too much stuff. There, there the combat is is good. Like um you can level up guns. Like there's a complete complete gun building kit where you can level up guns to have them do certain things okay. and tweak certain stats and do all this stuff. But once again, a lot of that <laughs> is locked behind um these kind of like levels. So you have to go and do it. You have to go and research this. Um I will say it's some of it feels annoying at first because you're trying to do it and you go, Oh, I need so-and-so resources. And so like, if you're dumb, like me, you go to a planet and start trying to grind out these resources until you realize there's a mining guild. You can just go and buy them from, and they're pretty damn cheap. Um, so it, it, there are a lot of little things that I think some people probably feel like, Oh, this is so grindy. And don't realize that there is an easier way to do it. Like, I don't think, <laughs> I think Starfield does a pretty decent job of giving you access to things um, in whether you realize it or not. Like even like ship stuff, like if you don't feel like designing and building your own ship, there was like several missions I ran into that was like, all right, here, have a brand new ship. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then I customized it and redesigned it and stuff like that. So, um, and there's like a lot of little things too, like crew stuff and you don't really learn it or maybe you do, it's just it, there's so much content that you kind of, I will admit, at sometimes I'm just start smashing eggs. I'm like, okay, come on, keep just go through this dialogue quicker, <laughs> you know, because because I kind of want to get to the next part. And like I said, there's just so much in this game to do, um, and you really can get lost into doing the stuff, you know. Well, you want to design and do a lot of ship stuff, you can do that. You want to do a lot of research stuff and mining stuff, mm-hmm. you can do that. You know, if you want to do it all, you want to be a bad person, you can do that. Like, that's kind of the, the I guess, the interesting thing. Um, you know, it lets you join, you know, different militia groups or faction groups. And and so, it, it, I said, there's just so much content to do in this game. That if you if you want to spend 100, 200, 300 hours, you can spend that in this game um, pretty easily. Hmm. Um, and that'll probably get you to level 100. Um, but as I said, like again, I'm 40 hours in, and I'm I'm like level 25. So okay. you know, yeah. it's it's uh, it can take a very long time to level. And I'll admit, I'm not necessarily the best example because I'll get lost doing certain things instead mm-hmm. of just you know cramming missions and combat stuff. But um, yeah, so yeah. it's definitely a lot to do. Kind of sounds like a labor of love if you're willing to put in the time. In mm-hmm. in the long term, you will get rewarded with. Uh, a lot of things for shipbuilding and quests and companions, all that. Did you ever do the, the the funniest thing I saw was 
people making ships of all corners because it, See, it, the problem is again unless, until you unlock some of the shipbuilding skill stuff you get locked out of some of the cool stuff so you can build so those people who build all those like corner stuff they probably have a shipbuilding skill that's like leveled up once or twice um, because like I was building a really cool ship and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And it was like, oh, you need a bigger reactor. So I was like, oh, I'll just stick a second reactor on there. Oh, no, you can only have one reactor. I'm like, okay. And I was like, let me just put the bigger reactor. No, you can't. You don't have that ship building option. Um, so again, like I, I, I that's my next goal, uh, is to kind of level up my ship building stuff because I put a lot of time in leveling up things like looting abilities, like being able to carry more crap. Right. Um, you know, and stuff like that. And then I realized to fly these big ships, I need more piloting skills. So I started putting more up into piloting. So it, it, again, it's just, you really have to really level up to get that stuff. And like, I spent like one day just doing quick missions and I leveled up like three times. Oh. Um, so you could probably level up pretty quick, but at the same time, it does take quite a lot of time. So, right. um, Especially since some of the levels, like this, there's because, like, here's the thing there's like a hundred uh perks, and then within each perk is like another four or five perks, so that you level up. So, like, it's just it takes so much time to do anything, hmm. um, which is good because, again, there's so much content to do. Um, but sometimes I do wish you could just kind of get certain things faster, mm -hmm. yeah, and you see that just a little bit, like, even. The little bit that I've played, when you make your character and you pick all the skills, it, it feels like mm -hmm. uh, feels like there's a lot to pick from, and you got to make some tough choices at the very beginning. Yeah, and and the interesting thing as well is like your tough choices directly lead to some of your responses. Like one of the things I picked was Neon Street Rat because I was like, oh, cool, I'll just make my character from the streets, yo, you know. <laughs> um, and, oh, by the way, I'll also tell you my character name in a second, too. But because I picked Neon Street Rat, I have that option all the time. Like, I'll be going through dialogue, and some of my dialogue will be like, fuck you, man, I'm from the streets, you know, stuff like that, <laughs> um, which is cool um, to have that kind of option because I picked that in the beginning. So um, just very, like I said, very interesting kind of how, mm. how you can kind of customize and kind of make your character your own. Mm. Um, as for my character... So with Skyrim, um, my main my main run through, which I put like probably 150, 200 hours in, um, pro probably 150 more closer actually. Um, but that character I, I named Antonio Banderas um, because uh, when I did the random character generator, it popped out Antonio Banderas, and I was like, "That's my dude." Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so this time for Starfield, I was like trying to figure out a character to make. I did random character a couple times just to kind of see like, can I get another Antonio Banderas? And I got a character that looked remarkably, remarkably like Nami. And I just oh. watched One Piece, so right. I made Nami of my character. Uh, and I was like, you know, who's Nami? She's a she's a street rat, right? <laughs> I was like, she's she yeah. also likes to explore because she's a navigator. So uh -huh. I made her explore. So I did like that kind of aspect of designing my own character. So, okay, that's pretty cool. And uh, I gave her the thief ability. Of oh, course. perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's another. That's another one. I gotta. I, I want to get some time to play. But uh, my focus in the past week plus has been on our next game, which is Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. 
two parts to talk about. The first would be the big 2.0 update. Um, the biggest thing was the complete uh, redesign of the talent trees for each of the reflexes, body, uh, technical ability, all that stuff. Um, so that has made it very interesting to re-level because there are a lot of new perks that you can do and a lot of new synergies that exist if you level up certain talent trees. Um, so the original character that I had was very uh, quick hack, netrunner ability, and I would do a lot of like contagion and overheat and all of that stuff, and just basically just just standing in a corner and just watching every everything die, mm. and then I could just walk over. But uh, this time I'm going much more balls to the wall uh, with a melee build. So I got the mantis blades, I got katanas, and I'm doing air dashing and stuff, and it it is super fun. Uh, like the the cycle of just going in melee finisher finishers re re uh fill some health so you know it's like super easy to to just go in and do all of that stuff and it makes me want to to eventually like make other characters because I'd like to the the little bit that I tried with throwing knives that's like a super fun gameplay loop of getting headshots and getting your knife refunded and then you can like tag them with other weapons and stuff. So that's been really good. And then the net runner stuff is incredibly strong because now you can queue up quick hacks. Um, so you can take like uh, the contagion overheat example. I had contagion is like a poison and then overheat, you know, and then you combine those together and you can make like a, a, a big explosion with mm. all of the, the uh, enemies that are, uh, affected by it and then you can even quick hack vehicles now to do different things you can uh, remote control it you can just say floor it which it just drives off wherever and you can even time it to explode so you can like kind of make your own little car bomb that goes into a big area and, and uh, does a lot of damage to people so that stuff has been really fun i'm looking forward to playing the game uh, again and making other characters because I want to do that throwing knife stuff. Um, smart weapons have always been pretty fun, but uh, but I'm looking forward to uh, to playing more of... Uh, basically playing the game again. Um, so they, they've updated a lot of the iconic weapons. They've made them even stronger. Like there's a shotgun that basically functions as a rocket launcher now. It has, like, homing missiles and stuff. That's really good. Um, uh, let's see what else from 2.0. Like, the the a combat, the police AI, they've improved that. It, it feels like uh, a bigger deal if you're going to get into combat and stuff. Um, crafting is much easier now to do in this game. Uh, in the past, it was tied to a specific skill tree, but now it's easier than ever to just go through the game, loot stuff, either sell for money or dismantle for, for tech parts, and you can craft some of these weapons and in, in optimize your builds much more easily than in the past. Um, then we get into Phantom Liberty, 
which has slight enhancements with the relic system. Uh, the relic tree gives you a little bit of extra, like uh, with the build that I have with the mantis blades and all that. It highlights enemy weaknesses so that you can target that specific area of their body for extra damage. And then cool. you can execute your finishers. You can go invisible and stuff. So there's a lot of good stuff there. And then the story of Phantom Liberty is very good. Uh, I would um, I would dare to say on par with like Edge Runners in terms of quality. Um, Idris Elba is great. All of the other characters, like the main story is that Songbird, this other Netrunner girl that works alongside the the president of the, U- the new United States is contacting you saying that she knows of a cure for your for V's issue with Johnny Silverhand and that's how you get all involved and uh I don't think it's too spoiler spoilery to say that in the world of cyberpunk there is no such thing as a happy ending um <laughs> There are like multiple options that you can choose, and there even is a ending for the original storyline uh, that is affected based off of choices that you make during the Phantom Liberty storyline. Story because Phantom Liberty takes place in the middle of the game. So you, do you play as V or a different character? So you play as V. Um, So it's like a separate mission in the middle of the story? Right. So for people that have played the original 2077, the base game, once you get to the quest with the uh, Voodoo Boys, and you also have a interaction, and this is spoilers for like a three-year-old game, when, when you meet Alt Cunningham, that's when you'll get initially contacted by songbird about this quest um so that's how it happens during your course of playing the game fresh on a new character mm. and what about existing do you, do you can you play it on an existing game you beat <laughs> yeah so if i wanted so i made a new character just because i wanted to and mm. a lot of people were saying you know it's kind of best if you do which i kind of agree with because i've it's almost like rediscovering the game and you know, leveling up the skill trees differently and playing in a different way has been really fun. But if you have your level 50 character, you can go right into uh, Phantom Liberty. Because the game, when you get to that uh, meet Hanako at Embers, which is the last story mission, it'll always, like, you can't save beyond that. So you'll always be at that point and you can start so... Phantom Liberty from there. I guess for those of us who uh, who may have slacked uh, playing the game and only put about 15 hours into the game so far, mm-hmm. do you think I should restart it? Or do you feel like 15 hours is not deep enough into the game to matter? Um, yeah, I think or... you should just restart. Okay. Yeah. And there also is an option that if you wanted to just start to the point of Phantom Liberty right away when you make a new character you have that option and then it puts you at level 15. It gives you some money and you'll be able to start that right away. Hmm. Um, there is one, uh, a, a couple things 
the uh, so Dogtown, the new area, it's not massive. It, you know, it's a nice, small, contained little section inside Night City. Uh, there's a couple pretty cool spots there, like the like the uh, I, I think it's called the Heavy Hearts Club, and that's cool. Um, but there have been some like frame rate issues. I'm playing on the Xbox where mm -hmm. going around Dogtown. And then there was one where in the final mission I had to it had to be like five frames for for per second there. I thought my game was gonna crash. Mm -hmm. Um but uh well, I'm playing on PC, so you know. Yeah. Oh, my, mm -hmm. I, my computer's paying. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those games that's making me think, you know, it, it might be time to upgrade. I've had my PC. It's it's over five years now. Um, I just have some old 1080, uh, which is you know, it's fine. But I mean, you know, you're not going to get like high quality, you know, cyberpunk stuff. Yeah, and some of the graphics cards have dropped really significantly in price now. Although next generation, from the rumors, should be even better. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Phantom Liberty, incredibly fun. Um, I'm still continuing through it. Like I want, I want to do all the quests on the character, complete all the gigs, uh, discover more stuff in Dogtown, and it's been yeah, it's super fun. Cool. And now we move on to our anime discussion. Talk about the summer twenty three anime season. Uh, we'll start with Mushoku Tensei 2. Uh, this is a pretty uh, a slower season in terms of pacing, I believe. It, it was a lot of uh, Rudy at school mm -hmm. and, you know, rediscovering his confidence as a man, quote unquote. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, so I, I definitely think like this season, um, so much of it was just him in school, which felt different from the first season because it was all, you know, adventure and traveling and discovering the world. Um, and so I do think that the school part made the show feel different than, you know, especially season one. I don't think it was bad, mm. but I definitely feel like um, it's one of those things where it's like, how do I say this? Like at the end of in every episode for season one, right? When the episode was over, all I wanted to do was see what was happening next. And I do think that there was a couple times in this season. I was like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. But so often was I just like, you know, he's in school. It'll just be another day. And they kind of feels like they run through, like there's some, some portions where it's like, all right, one year passed. And it's like, cool. I guess nothing interesting happened in a full year. And there was a couple times where like, they were like six months, seven months later. Um, I think maybe even was a year later. I think at the first part of the first season, I say first season, but it was kind of first season split into two parts, but you know what I mean? Right. So, I, I, and to be fair, this is still only part one of the two, you know, Mashoko Tensei <laughs> two, right. We're going to get part two sometime next year. Um, like April, I think is the current plan, but that might be delayed. So it's not too far off, you know, three seasons. So, mm -hmm. yeah, in this season, um, you know, I think the two biggest moments 
uh, you know, getting into spoiler stuff would be obviously uh, Sylphiette and the way that she had Rudy realize that it was her the entire time. Obviously a, a nice moment and a nice W for, for Rudy who had mm. taken some L's in um, the past years. Yeah. Quite a lot of L's. Um, but the biggest for me was with uh, Nana Hoshi mm-hmm. and the reveal of her being the girl that he saved in the real world. Um, I like this for two reasons. The first being the, the openness of, oh, there's a lot that you could do with like the linking of uh, the modern world and this fantasy world that they're in now. And then also mm-hmm. showing the way that they got there with Rudy not liking the life that he lived previously and being reborn into this one versus Nanahoshi who liked her, you know, the time that she lived in the modern world and being teleported here. Like there's this contrast in he likes it there and doesn't want to go back. She hates it there and she wants to do everything she can to get home, which uh, is going to be a, a little bit of a focal point in the next season is this whole study of teleportation circles and how they can find a way back to the modern world. Yeah. And and there's also some stuff in there about like the Royal family that is definitely more background, but there's definitely some intrigue uh, in this season that I, I found kind of funny that, uh, the the princess was able to gain royalty by helping him get his boner back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I think one of the best, like the I, I, oh maybe not best, but like one of the most like, huh? I didn't see that coming. Moments was when um I guess his cousin, yeah, um you know gray rat cousin um was just like. He was talking about his ED, or you know, she was talking about ED, and you know, the the princess was kind of chuckling about it, and and Luke was like, "The fuck you, ch- you laughing? This is a crime. <laughs> this is insane. He can't get it up. I feel so bad for him. It's so different than like American, I guess, sentiment, where it's like someone finds out they're gonna harass you, like, ah, look at the guy, he can't get it up." But this guy, like everyone in this world's a bro, right? Every time <laughs> they a, a man is found out about the ED issue, they're just like, I, I am. You have my sympathies. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he really became a like. He went from being like kind of a slime ball to like, <clears throat> like, oh no, he's a bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had saved this page from the light novel when I read it just because of how funny it was. But um, so. The Sylphie, Ariel, and Luke talk about the plan to get Rudy to realize it's Sylphie. Uh, so the three of said, quote, the three of us had gotten a little carried away in retrospect. We were all feeling very proud of ourselves for putting our friendship first. Still, this episode did bring us closer together. It's got to count for something, right? The three of us had united to stand fast against a common enemy. My new boyfriend's erectile dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, But, Uh, you know, talking about it seriously for, like, a brief moment, like, it's it's funny that, like, the the whole, the the season's main thrust, uh, pun very much intended, (laughs) (laughs) was, uh, was him, you know, getting 
boner bag or whatever. But like, but like, really, it's it's about getting over being hurt emotionally mm-hmm. by by Eris, and it, it it's it's it to me it was such a moving <clears throat> moment when she like Sylphiet was still there for him like the morning after, and like that's the moment where he was, you know, where he got better. Like you know, she was still mm-hmm. there. And and I like I can understand why it would be such a traumatic thing, especially when like the second time ever he he would do it um with uh with the girl from the beginning, yeah Sarah um yeah. Sarah yeah like she just she just like was like ah oh, I never even liked you I was just being nice or whatever blah and then like runs away to the point where like he almost straight up killed himself um it, it like I get it <laughs> I can see why you were uh, traumatized by that but. Mm. But yeah, like I, 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 I mean, I, I get what Steve was saying at the beginning there that like this, the pacing for this kind of feels very different compared to uh, season one, especially like the Demon Continent arc. But I, I still very much enjoyed it. Like the the steady introduction of characters and um, let's talk about our boy who uh, who. <laughs> Who 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 made it with the elf? Oh, yeah. Cliff, Cliff, yeah. <laughs> Cliff, yeah. What a shock! And, yeah. and you know what? Like, good for you, bro. You know, Cliff, you just gotta take your shot, man. Take your shot. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah, I just think to me, to me, um, it's just that, like, again, I didn't hate the school arc. Mm-hmm. It's just that we're kind of used to such like huge revelations and huge events right happening yeah. in Rudy's um life in the first you know season in the first two mm-hmm. cores um and then kind of like the majority like eight whole episodes or something of this season is kind of spent with him out of school learning yeah. and yeah there's mm-hmm. a couple of major events you know you know him getting it up again but like for the most part like it, it doesn't it feels I, I would say you know stagnant isn't the right it does kind of feel stagnant in terms of character growth and well not in character growth but in terms of uh power growth right mm-hmm. like you know we we went from a baby literally to like mm-hmm. some amazing fighter in the first season <laughs> but in this season at least the first 12 episodes it doesn't feel like other than him getting his groove back you know mm-hmm. it didn't feel like any kind of leap in terms of what he was capable of doing you didn't get anything new power wise it was just again him getting his groove back yeah um and i do feel like that does at least take away a little bit from the like (laughs) oh i can't wait to see what's going to happen next like yeah i'm excited Mm -hmm. to see what's happened next but like my eager anticipation Mm of oh this episode ended uh again for a lot of the episodes just kind of wasn't there for me i i do want to say that like even in season one a lot of the first half of that was just watching this kid grow up and mm-hmm. go off to like study with Eris and you know like it didn't it didn't become like an adventure until like the ter- the first turning point and True. and so and so my 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 main question is like what is Mushoku Tensei about right like it's it's not there's not this grand quest. There's not this, you know, like plot that's driving things forward. It's literally just you're you're experiencing Brutius's life, you know, from from the beginning, and you know it's not always like kind of realistically, right? Like it's not always going to be a grand adventure. Um, so you know, I, I kind of like that about Mushoku Tensei in that it it 
it can be different from season to season because like mm-hmm. we're seeing just different parts of his different times of his life and yeah you know like i i think he needed this experience especially when you consider like how him becoming a neat um and, and rec- uh, recluse back in his old life was a lot of that because of We lost Tom right there. We lost him. Uh, I'll just quickly add, from from a power perspective, maybe Rudy didn't like gain new abilities or something like that, but I would say he gained recognition of his strength is the biggest thing, is that it wasn't just he had battles and people knew he was good. Now now he, he knows that there are people who are aware of just how strong mm-hmm. he is, how much mana supply he has. All right, so next up, we'll talk about Bungo Stray Dogs Season 5. Steve. So real quick on this one, I kind of gave my impressions halfway through the season um, already, and I I don't think my thoughts change all that much. Um, It's still the thing I really wanted to mention, because my big thing was I felt like Season 4 of Bungo Stray Dogs um, felt like it was missing something to be truly great. Um. It it wasn't bad, but it definitely felt like kind of like like the story wasn't progressing very much. Um, in season five, we got like kind of a completion of the story. And one thing I just wanted to mention is just that it ended on such a banger note. <laughs> like I don't want to spoil it for those who I still trying to convince to watch the series. But one of the things that happened was kind of a revelation of why things happened, which is part mm-hmm. of my complaint from the previous season and even into some of this season. Was it just some things, some reactions uh, of the villain of this season didn't make a whole lot of sense to me? It was like, why do that when you could do this? Um, and then once we got kind of the full revelation of why they did what they did, um, and kind of like the, the 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 true kind of final saying of this arc, um, the end of this arc, it was truly like one of those moments of like, oh, hot damn, that was awesome. I get it now. It makes all sense. It connects all the parts. So I, I do think that a lot of people kind of were d- a little bit down on season four of Bungo Stray Dogs, especially review-wise. You might see some people saying, oh, it's just getting worse. Um, but I will say that this season ended on a banger, so it's still quite a good series. I still recommend it. It's, you know, five seasons sounds like a lot, um, but they're all like 10, 12-episode seasons. So it's not exactly a huge investment, Um per se. So, um, and there's like a movie as well. That's really worth watching. So it's still a show that I would highly recommend. I think it's a great series um, and a lot of fun. So, and sorry to, to, this is probably something you've covered multiple times Mm -hmm. before, but the movie, where does that fit in between? Um, so the movie is technically not a, uh, it's, it's not canon, right? So it is. It kind of operates off of a uh, a complete uh, kind of its own thing. I think it takes place in between season two and three, maybe one and two. Um, let me tell you. Uh, Dead Apple. Uh, it takes place in between mm-hmm. two and three. So. Um, it's definitely worth watching though, because it's a great movie. Right. Um, has like some really intense action moments that are really cool. And I think that's where the show lives and dies, right? It's still kind of a shonen series, um, so it has that big action component. So, um, 
definitely worth watching. Um, but it's definitely technically, I think it is a spinoff. Um, no, it's actually so. Okay, this is interesting. I was just looking at it. It does look like it's. Is it based on a manga, or did they make a manga off of it? It was either way. It's a good. Right. Okay. <laughs> so watch Dead Apple um, in between seasons <clears throat> two and three, um, and it's kind of like a good side story. So. Okay. All right. Neat. Yeah, that's a, that's another one of those things that I want to get to eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Horimiya, the missing pieces. Uh, on our Discord channel, Amro, you had shared this X post. Uh, still, still <laughs> stupid. It's a tweet. X. Yeah, it's a tweet. Yeah, I, I refuse to call it otherwise. <laughs> but no, um, yeah. So what what was interesting to me was I was kind of waiting for missing pieces to finish before jumping back into it. Um, and so just having to come across this, this little chart, a handy dandy chart to be like, Hey, if you want to watch it in chronological order, this is how you do it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm no stranger to having to watch stuff like out of order because I, I really like Bakemonogatari and I also really like Haruhi, but this is an all new kind of craziness yeah because you you have to through the episodes (laughs) yeah yeah, you have to split episodes into three pieces and then it'd be like okay you've watched the first two episodes of season one now watch the first half of episode two of season two and i'm like no this is dumb (laughs) yeah it's it looks like uh you know we've been talking about one piece recently it sounds like we need hori mia the missing paces <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was thinking of that pun too. Um, yeah, it, it, I definitely really hope one day some true fan comes in and just does a super edit of it all, or maybe even you know five years later the studio goes, let's just do a super edit release, um, like kind of like what they did with Harhi. Um, uh, that would be nice because um, I, I think this is one of those series that is genuinely great in terms of if you want to watch just a solid kind of slice of life romance series about a bunch of high schoolers, this one is definitely kind of, you know, up there in terms of it's just solid, great characters, great story, fun moments. Um, and it's just kind of a joy to watch. It just, it really sucks that it was split this way um, and done this way. Um, so hopefully, as I said, a fan will come in and, Right. Do some sort of super edit um, would be really awesome of them. Or even like maybe Crunchyroll. Let's, let's see Crunchyroll do something interesting. Have them come in and do something like that because they license both the series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice because what's funny is I watched the original anime bef- knowing this was going to come out. Like, oh, this is like, you know, rom romance show might be fun. And then I kind of saw like, people talking about missing pieces and then I saw this chart and it almost made me want to watch it less. Um, Which I mean, obviously I could just watch missing pieces as is and it's fine, but I don't know. I I do feel like you should watch missing pieces. If you like the, if you watch the original a hundred percent, you should just go ahead and watch missing pieces. Okay. I think I think it's if you like the original in any sense, the characters, yeah. as I said, it's still fun. It still fills in a lot of holes, gives <laughs> some characters their moments slightly. Like, because there's some characters in the series you don't see at all, or they get like five minutes that are fully, mm. you know, given their time to shine. I do think this chart, though, if you if you well, if you come to our Discord, hey, um, yeah. and uh, 
see this chart, this tweet. Um, I, I think you shouldn't necessarily follow it to the uh, T. I think definitely um, it would probably be good to like just jam some of these episodes in. Be like, so like if it says watch miss the four or missing pieces four, you know, in between nine and 10, just do the whole thing, right? Don't mm-hmm. try to break it up into different segments. Cause like it's crazy too. Cause like I was looking at this chart, like they have, you know, Hormia episode nine, watch from 11 to 1147 to the end, then watch missing pieces episode four, the first eight and a half minutes, then watch, you know, the last 20 from 20 eps- from minute 20 to the end of Hori- uh, Horiyama missing pieces episode four, then watch episode 10, <laughs> but only watch the first or watch the second part and then come back and watch the first part of episode 10, then come back and watch the middle part of episode four of missing pieces uh, and then come back and finish off episode 10. It's just like, it's nonsensical. It, it truly is like, Absolutely, like I, I, they just need to have a watch episode four here moment, and yeah, it'll be a little out of order, but it'll probably just make more sense than this. Hmm. So, but yeah, it, it's pretty crazy though. It's it's yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, I think back to all these forum discussions of people getting into the Fate series. Where do I start that? The Pokemon Guitar series. Where do I start that? And ju- this for just a two season. Like this is a, uh, it, it's a little comical looking. Just to see that that kind of ordering. Some someone did actually. I was looking at the tweet. There's a uh, one a little bit further down, um, by Matthew or Matt Gamer Double O Three, um, that did it exactly the way I said it. Like, here's watch episode right. one, two, then watch piece episode one, then All three, right. four, five, six, and piece finish piece. Well, he still splits piece episode one, I guess. <laughs> but still, for the most part, it's like it's more easier to follow. <laughs> All right. So. All right. Uh, next up is Masamune's Revenge R, Season 2, Amaro. Yeah, so um, this was a long time coming, uh, and I'm happy that it actually ended the story. Um, so, you know, if if you watched Masamune's uh, Revenge back in the day and uh, <laughs> you want to finish it, go ahead. Season 2 will do that. Um and yeah, I mean, I I liked it. Um, it. It's funny that it it's it took so long for it to come out that there was a lot of stuff that I spoiled for myself uh, without even realizing it. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, that happened in season one. Uh, and then when I went back and rewatched season one, I was like, oh no, that did not happen in season <laughs> one. Uh, but even even more than that, like there is an OVA episode um, on Crunchyroll that takes place after the end of season two. So just a fair warning, like if you're watching it um, on there, don't watch that OVA until you finish the series. Uh, but I will say that I, I did like it a lot. Um, you know, a lot of the hanging threads from the first season were, were wrapped up. Uh, it did get a little melodramatic towards the end. You know, they kind of do that thing where like, oh, they got together, but then like, oh, th- they're not being honest with each other, so they have to split up and then, you know, yada, yada, yada. So, mm. um, but again like it's one of those things where like if uh now that it's over if you're watching it all in one go it's definitely way more tolerable than uh than doing it in the the week to week kind of thing but mm. i think i think it's still worth um worth visiting i i i i did like it i'm glad it did come back and finally get its proper ending all right yeah cuz i i think the first one is like 5 years ago 
Oh, or I, something I like think that. It might have been more than that. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. So this is the whole series, though. Yeah. Or it, just it's done. Like it's okay. the second season finished it. But how does the OVA take into place if it happens yeah. after? It's just like a little epilogue. Oh, I see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, 2017 for season one. <laughs> Seven <Yeah>. years ago. <laughs> yeah. We were much younger back then. Uh, the masterful cat is depressed again today, Steve. So, yeah, I just want to briefly update that I think this show was great. Um, this is the show um, that I talked about, you know, how the animation of uh, Gohans can be somewhat controversial and sometimes done terribly wrong and sometimes done terribly right. Um, but this is one of those shows that kind of had that Gohans production, which it still has like this weird kind of coloring over it. But I think the content of the series itself is what shines. Um, uh, you, you, Yukichi, the cat, and Saku, the owner, are just amazing at a pair. And I just, I loved watching them throughout the season. And, you know, it's one of those, it's a short series, it's 13 episodes. Um, may there be more? Sure. Um, obviously, there's still, the manga, I believe, is still ongoing. So there can obviously be, be more content. Um, but it's kind of just a nice little slice of life fun series that kind of talks about Yukichi, this cat, and kind of how he kind of grew up or evolved into a cat that can cook and stuff. And I think overall, the, the comedy of it was just really on point. It was just a lot of fun, kind of a unique series in a lot of way, too, because, you know, it's like you get into these moments where everyone's thinking Saku's the most made up person ever and she's just kind of letting her cat do all the work and mm. and then there's these like great kind of heartfelt episodes showing how you know Yukichi kind of became the masterful cat right and um showing how how Saku had kind of took took in Yukichi Yukichi as you know he was a little cat you know basically dying in the cold weather and you know Saku also has some of her cool moments besides being like this big baby character that can't mm. do anything without her cat um, but it's just overall just it was a solid series something I, I could couldn't you know if you're 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 here for a weekend and you just want to have something fun um, you know you want something lighthearted. this is definitely a series I think it's also a great series to watch with something like maybe you have kids or nephews or uh, nieces or you know even like a, a significant other that might kind of enjoy this stuff more this is definitely mm. the kind of show I think they could get into and kind of just enjoy so mm. definitely something I'd recommend Okay, nice. Uh, next up, level one Demon Lord and a one-room hero. Yeah, I kind of wanted to wrap this one up as well because I didn't talk about this when we did the mid-season stuff, um, and I did watch it and thought it was kind of interesting. Um, overall, this show was actually pretty decent. Um, it, you know, the whole premise of the show was, you know, you have this guy who, his whole team who defeated the Demon Lord and... Now it's 20 years later, not quite, I think maybe it's been 10 years later, but either way, it's been a lot of years later, and the guy's a bum, you know, he just does the most despicable things, he literally visits, like, jerk-off rooms, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and things like that, and, you know, he's just kind of this loser guy, and here comes a demon lord resurrected into a little girl body, and of course, um, and it's just, it it works very well, and I think... One thing that's really nice about this series is it feels very like they're probably never coming back to it, but they don't need to come back to it because it ended on like kind of this good moment of peace. 
um and you know almost this revelation of hey you know the demon lord's here the 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 the, the hero max has kind of got some of his groove back uh it's just it's it's very well done as a series and i think it's one of those shows that you can kind of pick up and watch um especially if you have a little bit of time you want something more like adventure based um that kind of does a lot of parodying based on you know things like uh dragon quest and all those other kind of you know jrpg style series that right. like what happens once you defeat the demon lord so hmm. um definitely worth worth watching i think and if you're into those kind of stuff for sure hmm. but overall decent little series all right, nice. And our last show, Dark Gathering, Amro. Yeah, so Dark Gathering uh, is one that I, you know, very much enjoyed this season. Um, I think in terms of production values, it it's not like the best looking show at all times, but it's it's you know it's it's fair enough. But um, what I really like about it is just the concept of uh, dude who can feel spiritual presences and, and little girl who can see ghosts. Uh, and you know his uh, uh, college girlfriend all hook up and and go to hunt demons or uh, spirits to basically capture them and breed them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, basically she's she's trying to to create stronger and stronger evil spirits so she can eventually hunt down the the, the thing that killed her parents and and stole her mother's soul. So it's the best way I can describe it is that it's uh it's Pokemon with like you know, ghost. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, they're like Eevee and Ivy breeding and making sure they get the perfect natures and hidden yeah, abilities. But, but it's like but it's like super twisted, like right? Because you know, there's uh let's, let's be like... real here. Pokemon is very twisted too. We just ignore yes. the fact that we're locking <laughs> living, breathing animals in little balls and forcing them to copulate. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, these are these aren't living things. They're they're definitely dead. But you know, they're usually the spirits of like murderers and, and things like that. So, uh, very very nasty spirits. But I I really enjoyed it. And um, to my surprise, I thought it was over. Um, with episode twelve, it's still going. So I think it's going to be a two core season. Um, so you know, if maybe you skipped it, uh, it might be worth uh going to check out. A lot of two core series this season. Um. You know, you got Roni Kinshin, you got, uh, 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 what you can call it, um, uh, Kaisen, um, as well as both mm-hmm. two core, too. Yep. All right. And with that, uh, that concludes episode 340 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Check us out at anavision.org. We got our Discord channel where we are most active. Uh, among other socials and in the future uh, our next episode should be the fall 2023 anime preview and just taking a quick peek at the list we see uh spy family season two uh goblin slayer season two um i, I don't know I, I, are people really down on shield hero I mean, the last season was pretty bad, but I'm still, I'm still, I'm still open (laughs) seeing how that, how the rest of it works. I think there's some new shows I'm really stoked about, Mm -hmm. like, uh, um, one that just actually aired a bunch of episodes, but like for free, beyond journey's end. Yeah. That, that's one of the, that's one of the big ones. Uh, free run, I think. 
free run. Um, Doctor Stone says a new season. I'm pretty stoked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's quite a, quite a there's quite a, this season is definitely flushed with a lot of pretty <clears throat> decent sequels and some interesting looking originals, unlike the last season. Mm-hmm. Yep. So have that to look forward to. And then on the game side, Mario Wonder and Spider Man Two come out this month. Uh, I imagine all of us will be playing those games to certain degrees. Uh, I imagine Spider Man Two much more so. Yeah, Assassin's Creed's coming out. I yeah, I, I still want to get the DLC for uh, uh, Final Fantasy, or Final Fantasy uh, Resident Evil Four. Um, that's that's something I want to play too. So just so much good stuff game wise to play. Mm-hmm. All right. So for Steve Amro, I'm Jero. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Believe it. Yeah.